So he's still hovering. We get about a foot off the ground. I jump off into the snow, throw my drone up, hop back in the helicopter. And I'm like, all right, let's do this approach here. So he comes in, approaches the mountain. Meanwhile, my drone is like circling around him. And we just got a whole bunch of wild drone shots on top of this mountain. Welcome to Behind the Stays, a podcast that shares the stories behind your favorite Airbnbs and the hosts who've made them memorable. Behind the Stays is brought to you by Sponstaneous, a free weekly newsletter that brings you a carefully curated list of last minute deals and upcoming steals on Airbnb. Sign up at Sponstaneous.com. I'm your host, Zach Cruz. Enjoy the show. Hey friend, so I wanna get real with you for just a quick second here, okay? So my wife and I decided it was time to take a risk and for me to leave my day job as head of growth at a marketing agency and go all in on Spontaneous and the Behind the Stays podcast. This is both incredibly exciting and also terrifying. Um, It's exciting because it means I'll have way more time to make the show better and to spin up new products and services designed to help you grow your hospitality brands and short-term rental businesses. And it's terrifying because I'm saying goodbye to a nice paycheck and health benefits and 401k match and yada yada. Oh, and did I mention that we just had a kid who's just two months old? Yeah, it's been a it's been an exciting time. Okay, so here's here's the ask, all right? In order to grow the show and increase the value of the content we create, we need the support of our advertising partners. Now, trust me, I know how tempting it is to just skip through podcast ads. I feel you and I'm a culprit too, okay? But it would mean the world to me if you could take just 60 seconds to write an email to the guestie team or DM them on social media and just thank them for being a behind the stage sponsor. Perhaps you have a PMS system already or perhaps your short-term rental business is just getting started and you don't need one of the dozens of incredible features and offers that their software provides. And that's all a-okay. But if you just take a quick second to thank them for being a sponsor on the show, what you're really doing is you're really saying, hey, I like the show. Thank you for helping it continue. And thank you for making Zach uh, be able to spend more time making the show even better for us. So this will also just help uh, prove to my wife that this quote unquote podcasting thing can be more than just a hobby. So if you don't mind pausing the episode that you're listening to right now and scrolling down to the show notes to find Guesty's social handles and their marketing team's email address and shooting them just a quick message, thanking them for advertising on the Behind the Stays podcast, I would be so grateful. All right, folks, thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. Now on to the show. In just a moment, you'll meet Devin Lorup, the creator of the Pacific Bin, a luxurious escape made of five shipping containers just an hour outside of Seattle. Devin grew up in the Midwest, but was born with a New York City mindset. From the time he was young, he hustled hard and enjoyed proving people wrong when they said that he couldn't, shouldn't, or wouldn't do something. Devin is a civil engineer by trade, but after being bored out of his mind at his first job after college, he decided to try his hand as a creative, and he became obsessed with photography and videography. And while he didn't know it at the time, this decision would quite literally change the course of his life. Tune in to hear the story of how Devin left the Chicago suburbs and moved to Seattle on a whim, invested his entire life savings into Tesla stock at the perfect moment, learned how to weld so that he could build a unique Airbnb by himself, spent $500,000 building a -a one-of-a-kind, category-redefining container home in the Cascade Mountains of Washington, and grew an Instagram following from zero to 750,000 in one year. All right, without further ado, 
Get ready to meet Devin. Alrighty, Devin, we are live, dude. How are you doing this fine morning? Doing well. Good to be here, Zach. It's good to have you, man. I, I feel like it's always fun when you've followed somebody on Instagram for a long time and seen their stuff, but like you've never actually talked to them to like actually have a conversation. So I'm thrilled because I'm a huge fan of yours via Instagram, but have never actually had the opportunity to, to chat with you. So this is a real treat. Yeah, dude, this is gonna be awesome. I'm excited to tell you more about the place and my journey. Yeah, yeah. Well, I am um, thrilled to have you on, uh, Devin, because as I mentioned, as we were just chatting about right before we hit uh, uh, record here, I had Levi Kelly on the show recently, and he mentioned that I had to talk to you because you were doing really cool things, and I have since stalked you a little bit. I've watched a couple of your YouTube videos and know a little bit of your story, um, but I'm excited to, to learn more about you know who you are and how you got to uh, where you're at today and, and what you've got in store for for you know the, the foreseeable future here. But, but I wanted to kick off this conversation just to help people get to know Devin a little bit more, like... If, if we were at a happy hour, right, with, with you and some of your closest buddies, and if I, if I were to ask them to tell me about you, like what, what is it that they would say? Like what adjectives might they use? And or like is there a story that they would immediately tell about who Devin is? <laughs> yeah, so <sighs> I would say I guess like an adjective is <laughs> ambitious and like ambitious with sort of just like, from not a, not a normal sense in in the sense that I hate following cultural norms. Like so I feel like society just pitches you this, you go to college, you go get a nine to five, you do that for 40 years and then you go retire on a couple million dollar retirement. Yeah. Plan. And that drove me nuts getting out. <laughs> I, I grew up in the Midwest. Okay. And I feel like that culture just sort of resonates all throughout the Midwest. And I knew I just had to get out of that. Um, so I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago, went to school in Michigan. And I took like, I took a, a just a random like spring break trip out West to okay. Seattle. I had a friend out here and I was, I was just hooked. I, I knew I had to live out there. Um, I just am huge fan of the mountains and skiing and cinematography and like what better place than Seattle, Washington. <laughs> so, um, yeah, right after school, I just loaded up and sent it out West. Um, and really haven't looked back since I've been out here for four years now. Nice. Um, yeah, I guess. What did you study in school? Uh, so I studied engineering, so okay. I have a mechanical engineering degree. Okay. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I guess I, <laughs> yeah, let's see. Yeah, so mechanical engineering degree, I, I was new throughout school that I just was not resonating with it. It was sort of more just like I had to pick a pick a major. Yeah. I like building things, like just learning how things work. So engineering really seemed to be that perfect fit. Um, and then a couple of years into school, I'm like, gosh, I do not want to do any of this. I had a couple internships. I'm sitting in front of computer, like designing conveyor belt systems for packaging cheese. I'm like, there's gotta be more, more to life. Than this. <laughs> um, so yeah, mid partway through school is actually, uh, the last year of college. Um, my girlfriend of like three years and I, we, we ended up splitting off. Um, and we were both getting into photography huh. at the end of that. And she pretty much told me, she's like, you're 
photos are garbage, like the video <laughs> stuff's like, nah. So I took that as like ambition to just freaking go for it. So I spent the whole last year of college on weekends, like short days of class, just getting out into Michigan, um, filming, um, just shooting as much as I could and posting on Instagram. I ended up having a photo blow up. It's of the Mackinac Bridge in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. Okay. And I ended up like skipping class for a few days and just selling copy after copy of this photo. I would like <laughs> charge 150 bucks and a whole bunch of old people in Michigan were hitting me up on Facebook. Like, I want to hang this over my mantle. <laughs> so I ended up like skipping two days of class selling. It was almost like $6,000 worth of prints that day or Jeez. those few days. And I bought my dream camera, which was a Canon 1DX Mark II. Um, Wow. So that was sort of my sign that like, all right, we're going to go for this. So I just started um, just filming as much as I could and getting out and connecting with clients, just sort of hustling. Yeah. And um, at that point, I knew like I was I was sort of getting capped by the Midwest. I wanted to work with brands, wanted to do travel type content. Um, and I knew the Midwest wouldn't quite get me those crazy mountain views and all that. So that's, that's sort of what helped drive Seattle as well, moving out here. Wow. And, um, yeah, so moved out to Seattle, uh, started shooting weddings, got an engineering degree to help be like this, this stable thing. So I'm not sweating it, picking up every gig that I have to. <laughs> um, so we started, started filming weddings, started just taking any, any work that I could that I, I felt would align with my brand. And um, things just really, really took off. So wow. throughout the whole time, I worked my engineering job, um, just took every penny that I made through film and photography to just put it in this, put in this, I guess, just savings, which <laughs> I, I took a huge leap of faith and invested all of it into Tesla at one point. Did you um, really? And <laughs> it Dude. did really well. I, wow. Okay. 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 Hold on. Hold on. I I have to interrupt you because I have so many (laughs) follow-up questions based on you. You're clearly like an incredibly interesting person. So first and foremost, you're a mechanical engineer turned like creative. Like that doesn't, that doesn't really like happen that much. Like meaning, you know, I guess you could argue like engineers are creative in their own sense. Right. But like the idea of like a mechanical engineer, someone who gets a mechanical engineering degree, becoming a video and, and you know, videographer and photographer, like, I don't know that I've heard of that happening. So that's interesting in and of itself. Um, and the fact that you were fueled to like really go all in on that because of a, a breakup, right? Um, super interesting. Um, so, but but when you, you get to Seattle, you decide, hey, I wanna take this seriously. You start doing like weddings and events. Like what um, what sort of gave you I don't know, the confidence that like you had what it, cause it's also competitive market there, right? Like Seattle is like a incredibly competitive market. So like what, what gave you the confidence that like you could actually charge people to pay you to film some of the most important days of their events, given the fact that like you were still like really like you didn't go to school for this. Like you were still relatively new to this. So like, were you just overly like, how, how did you convince people to like pay you for those first few gigs? (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So the, the approach was, uh, well, at first I ended up linking up with another wedding cinematographer out in Seattle. His name is Andrew Z's. The guy's just top notch. He lives in uh, Southern California right now filming like celebrity wedding. The dude's just at the top of his game. So wow. awesome, incredible guy. And he let me tag along on a couple of his weddings with him. I'm like, Hey, I really want to get into this space. I'd do him pro bono or just like 
pennies on yeah. the dollar yeah. um, for what you should be paid as a second shooter. So that's sort of where I got my confidence in knowing the sequence, knowing how to tell these stories. He gave me so many pointers. Um, so I really appreciate him for that and giving me that opportunity. Um, but once I sort of understood the flow of weddings, how to, how to get into that space, I knew that I had to differentiate myself from other couples. Yeah. And I felt that incorporating the, the more like travel cinematography side that I personally love a ton where you're out in the middle of nowhere filming these crazy landscapes with yeah. just awesome couples who are willing to hike a few miles through the woods to get these crazy shots in their wedding dresses. And, um, so that's, I knew I needed to bring those two together, the confidence in the wedding side of things and the like travel cinematography side, put them together. Um, and we like what sort of launched, uh, me filming weddings out here is I filmed, it was a full, um, like there's a collaboration between a helicopter company, this stunning couple, um, and a few others of us, like, a wedding dress company, the florist and everything to make this come together. And we filmed a, a like elopement out on top of a mountain. So we, char we chartered a helicopter, this freaking crazy multi-million dollar helicopter landed on a mountain peak. Meanwhile, I'm <laughs> like while we're getting the last couple or er, before we're landing, I, I touched down real quick. I know the pilot pretty well because um, I've done a, a couple gigs with them before. I'm like, hey, I really want to get this one shot. Uh, can you hook, can you hook me up with this? So he's still hovering. We get about a foot off the ground. I jump off into the snow, throw my drone up, hop back in the helicopter. And I'm like, all right, let's do this approach here. So he comes in, approaches the mountain. Meanwhile, my drone is like circling around him. And we just got a whole bunch of wild drone shots on top of this mountain. So this that sort of launched the whole wedding side of it. We edited this, like, just in my opinion, it's a it's a killer film. It looks just awesome. And is it on? <laughs> is it on YouTube? Like, can people watch it? It is. Yeah, okay. it's like okay. a it's like a ninety second teaser just to sort of show people what we're capable of. And um, yeah, ever ever since that, things have just sort of taken off in the wedding space. Um, <sighs> Yeah. Jeez. Okay. So this is this is fascinating. There are three questions that I get asked all the time by listeners of Behind the Stays. Number one, Zach, are you trying to imitate Guy Raz from NPR's interview style? Number two, Zach, do you really spend a dozen hours each week looking for the best Airbnb deals? And number three, Zach, is Guesty for Hosts really worth checking out? Well, friends, the answer to all three of these questions is, of course, yes. While there are many property management softwares on the market, I always encourage our listeners to check out Guesty for Hosts. Guesty's channel manager centralizes reservations across Airbnb, Verbo, and Booking.com to stay on top of your listings without having to hop back and forth between channels. Guesty's automation tools enable you to connect with guests in a meaningful, creative, and instant fashion. And Guessy's new and improved website builder allows you to create your own branded booking website in just minutes, which allows you to grow your brand and increase your direct bookings. And finally, Guesty is positioned well to grow with you. As your business grows, you can grow with Guesty for Pros by unlocking new features and offerings designed for larger portfolios. So here's the deal. If you're an STR host without a PMS system or a host looking at exploring a new one, I've got a treat for you. 
The team at Guesty is giving Behind the Stays listeners and Spontaneous subscribers $20 off an annual or monthly plan for Guesty for hosts when they use the discount code Spontaneous when signing up for a free 14-day trial. There's no credit card required. There's no setup fee. Uh, there's no commitment. So try it out and cancel anytime if you don't love it. Guesty for hosts. They're the bestie of top-rated STR super hosts. All right, folks, back to the show. What's cool about what you did too is like you decided, hey, like I'm not gonna be able to compete just on on any sort of like event, right? So let me let me niche down. Let me like really go after those adventurous couples that are seeking those like you know million dollar shots and willing to put themselves through crazy, uh, you know, hell and or just very you know incredibly risky <laughs> adventurous experiences in order to get those like you know one of a kind shots, which is which is super cool, like that you decided to like niche down in that respect. So what's the story behind you deciding to invest all of your savings or close to all of your savings in in Tesla? Like wh- when did that happen and what gave you the the confidence that like that was a good bet? <laughs> yeah, so uh so after probably a year, so there was I think it was like 18 or 19 right around there. Um I had been saving up all this money uh, I'm making from film photo and all that. And I started getting in, I like dabbled with investing and learning how to like grow your wealth. Cause I mean, you look at multi-billionaires and they're just, none of them just made that by saving all their money. Yep. So it's all investing in growing businesses. So I, <clears throat> I thought, well, I'm growing my business. I also want my money to work for me. Um, so back in eight, 17 or 18, my dad, I convinced my dad to get a, a Tesla Model X. Okay. I was just a huge fan of the company. Like it's it's one of the only multi-billion dollar companies that I've seen that can innovate on an insane level. And it's just like, it, it, it's that, um, that mentality of not being afraid to fail, which mm. I absolutely love. And it was, it's cool seeing a massive company take that on. And uh, I just did tons of research about them. Absolutely love their product. Um, and once my dad got one, I, he was just sold and it's an incredible vehicle. I'm like, this company is really doing things. So, um, <laughs> so in 2018, end of 18, I invested, oh gosh, it was, I don't even remember the dollar value, but, um, like I invested all my, all 10, my savings. 15, 20, the, 50, like roughly. It's it probably, around, it was probably around 20, $20,000. Okay. Okay. Which to me at the time Huge. was like, holy yeah. smokes, that's a lot. So invested all my savings into them. Uh, Tesla just, it, it couldn't have timed out better. Tesla like 7x my money over the course of the next year, year and a half. Wow. Ended up pulling out um, $70,000 of it. Bought a, a bottle model Y because it, I'm not, I didn't just buy a, a nice car to be like, Oh, look, I got this sweet ride. It's, it's saved, especially living on the West coast. It saves you so much money. Yeah. I think I pay an extra 50 bucks a month. It, like, I guess I'll give the overview. Of yeah, this. do it, do it. My goal is to break down or to make my operate my OPEX operational expenditures as low as possible just to re- really be able to funnel any cash I'm making into future investments. Yeah. So buying the Model Y, I saved, I got it February 2022. It's saved me $13,000 in what I would have paid in gas. It's wow. just insane wow. numbers. <laughs> if I keep the thing for six more years, it'll have been a free car. Yeah. Much. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
Yeah. So invested my life savings into Tesla, blew up. So that not only kicked off a huge chunk for buying the car, but also um, getting the initial down payment for what I'm sitting in now, which is the Pacific Bin. Yeah. So, um, and that property wise. Yeah. That, yeah that, 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 I was just going to say that's a beautiful segue to like people who are listening to this podcast are like, probably like, okay. So is like, you know, Zach and Devin are geeking out about how cool. Devin is and the various like you know crazy things that he's done with his life but how does this relate to hospitality and short-term rentals so so we're you know this is this is a, a, a good pivot to talking about the Pacific Band and and what you've created and, and let me just set the stage a little bit for, for folks who are tuning in I mean you've got like I believe it's like 750,000 followers to uh, you know somewhere around there to the Pacific Band you've done an incredible job of, of marketing it um, the your YouTube video where you talk about it is great Levi Kelly again just did a beautiful video of, of of the Pacific Band, and I'm sure other influencers have done have done similar things. But it's it's this very beautiful, like unique, uh, dare I say, like container home, but like stackable, like container home. Um, and I, I, I want to hear like the story behind, yeah, how 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 this idea first came to be, and then what, yeah, what were those first few steps that you took in helping bring this truly unique space to life? Yeah, so. I didn't initially know that I wanted to get into the unique Airbnb custom home <laughs> world. Um, I, I knew I always wanted to get into real estate. I, I've seen so many people build their wealth by getting into real estate, um, but I just didn't see the ROI that I was wanting from doing long-term rentals, especially out here and on the West Coast and in the Seattle area. I mean, you're buying just a 70-year-old home for upwards of... <laughs> $900,000 million dollars yeah. for these tiny little homes with tiny little lots. And that was just, I couldn't make the numbers pencil out for me, like paying four or five grand a month in for uh, like an, uh, loan payments and everything. It's yeah. the numbers didn't check. So yeah. I started looking in other spaces. Um, I saw Airbnb, I mean, in the Pacific Northwest, the area is stunning out here. So I, started digging into airbnbs a little bit i was following people like kai andrew rob built uh i mean yes. shelby church and everything um just really learning about the space and just diving into it and it, it appeared that the numbers should check out um and it, it's and the cool part about airbnb is that the more unique you are with your home the better it seems to do which sort of checked my box of not buying a conventional home and yeah. just that just seems so boring to me um so I didn't know that I wanted to get into container homes initially. I <clears throat> I worked as a welder back in high school. I was getting into all sorts of trouble in high school. And that was sort of my like angsty teen years where I was making a mess of myself. And my dad's like, well, we're going to fix this. You're going to go work in my weld shop for uh, a few summers. And little did I know that that would pay off in a huge way. Um, so that's when I started looking into unique Airbnbs, I'm like, oh, shoot, like, there's some really cool container homes out there. Like, I'd love to take some of the coolest ones I've seen and just one up them all. <laughs> hey, guys, it's Zach. If you're enjoying this episode, could you do me two very quick favors? First, this show is possible thanks to a handful of incredible organizations who've signed on to be advertising partners of Behind the Stays. It would mean the world to me if you'd take just a second to scroll down to the show notes and go learn more about this episode's sponsor. Even if you aren't in the market for agency support or a new PMS at the moment, it never hurts to be aware of who else is out there. And second, if you're listening to this episode on Spotify, could you be so kind as to give Behind the Stays a five-star rating? 
And if you're on Apple Podcasts, could you submit a quick review and let me know what you love most about the show? I know it seems trivial, but these things really, really do help us grow the show. And just a reminder that if you've ever got feedback from me on how to make the show better, shoot me an email directly at Zach, that's Z-A-C-H, at spontaneous.com. You all really are the best. I love receiving your emails and DMs. All right, so check out the sponsor and leave us a rating and a review, please. All right, guys, back to the show. So Devin, so you decided like, hey, if, if I'm going to get into real estate, I want to try short-term rentals and you're following Rob Bilt, you're following all these Shelby Church, all these other cool people who are doing really great things in this space. And then you realize like, okay, I need to do something in the unique stay market. Um, so did you first, were you first sort of like, okay, I need a unique stay. And then you were looking through like, I don't know, like tiny homes, A-frames, like container homes. And then you, then you realized container homes were the thing for you or like, did you immediately jump from short-term rentals? container homes like talk walk us through sort of that thought process yeah so the goal with building a unique space is in order to cut down on my capital expenses i needed to do as much of it myself as possible um and just utilize all my family's skills and ability when i was growing up we would do all sorts of rehab homes and just complete guts rebuild add additions all that stuff so i was sort of familiar with the construction side of things um and then I didn't just jump straight to container homes, uh, just perusing through Airbnb and VRBO. It seemed that you, I mean, A-frames are dime a dozen. You can, you can find cute little cabins all over the place in the Northwest. But when filtering through container homes, I, there was like two or three and half of them out here are just either single container homes or like two of them side by side. It's just like, it's not, nothing really special. Yeah. So that's, that's when I knew well, first off, I knew I could do container homes because I knew how to weld. I'd be able to do all the structural steel work myself. I was super familiar with it. Um, and that sort of put the nail in the coffin when I decided to go with shipping container homes. Wow. So, um, yeah, it was Christmas two years ago. Um, I was sort of honing in on this. I was back in Chicago. Uh, my mom's a designer back in Chicago, so it was super helpful just having her being able to um, just bounce ideas off of help me to spatially plan it um, yeah. and sort of hone in what we wanted this thing to look like. Um, I had seen one shipping container home out in uh, Hocking Hills, Ohio uh, by Seth and Emily. It's called the Box Hop. Yes. Sort of one of the first OG container homes that just took off. Um, and I got in contact with Seth and Emily. I told them like, I'm going to build a container home. And they're like, for sure, dude. Like <laughs> they said that so many people reached out to them and say that but yeah. never actually follow through so i just kept staying in contact with them uh just bouncing questions off of them as i'm trying to like make all these pieces come together in my head um yeah and then spring of uh, what was it 2021 i started looking for property okay um and looked at gosh i probably looked at 60 or 70 pieces of land just every day right after work i'm bombing out to the mountains with my real estate agent. We're just looking at all different lots. I'm looking at just <laughs> pretty much blank pieces of land because I, I didn't want to have a home or I didn't want to utilize a lot that already had prop or something on it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did you have a specific so, like acreage in mind that you were like committed to or like that you were looking at or were you were you pretty flexible in terms of like the size of the lot? Yeah. So I, I didn't want to do like a half acre lot yeah. because the whole one thing I love when I stay in Airbnbs is to have 
the entire place to yourself, feel completely secluded. I mean, half the time you go take a vacation, you don't want a neighbor staring in your window. Exactly. Or yeah. Just having to deal with other people. Plus, as a as a host, you don't have to deal with complaints of guests saying, "Oh, the neighbors did this or that," or the neighbors are saying that they're too loud or something like that. So I knew I didn't want to go below three acres. Okay. That's typically enough property to be able to make the home feel secluded, but still be not crazy expensive to buy a piece of land. So the lot I ended up finding, well, I looked at just so many lots. There were ones on the rivers, but I was noticing that the hurdles to get permitting on a river is, it's a lot. And I was sort of drinking from a fire hose at this point (laughs) of the build. So I'm like, we're going to go with a forest right now because I know you can build on those lots. Um, Yeah, I just, it got got rid of a lot of those variables of like critical areas where you can't build. Yeah, Um, yeah, interesting. So we ended up on this this lot uh, in Sultan, Washington. It's about an hour outside of Seattle. Uh, It's just shy of five acres. And I actually, I think that's the size couldn't have worked out better because the Pacific Bend is located about halfway through the lot. And um, it still left enough room for me to develop the back of the lot further. So I knew... I, I could cut down on the expenses for my next build by obviously being able to not have to pay for the land and all that, the, yeah. the development of the land, like the electricity, water, sewage. Um, so going with that five acre plot really helps to increase my long-term ROI on this piece of land. Yeah. Brilliant. Wow. So, wow. So, okay. So you, 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 you are spending all this time searching for the perfect plot of land. I, I do want to circle back. I think it's like really smart that you realized, hey, while there it'd be so sick to have like a river view or whatever, like just the the hoops that you have to jump through were not worth it, given sort of like where you were at in in your journey, right through this process. And I think sometimes like the temptation is like to to kind of go do everything it takes to kind of come up with the, the perfect space, the perfect lot, and then just you know spend as much time as it takes until until all of that comes to fruition. And I think sometimes for folks, like you could be waiting a really long time and it might be better if, especially if you're first starting out, go with what's easiest. Um, you can always do others. You can always expand. You like when, when you have more time and more resources, et cetera, don't, don't, you know, don't, don't just give up, right. Cause it seems too hard. Find something that is within that is feasible and is within your control. Start there and then expand as, 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 um, as necessary. So I love that. I, I do want to ask you about like the actual build because what you did to your earlier point, you did something truly unique, which I believe it's like three containers, right? That are stacked on top of each other. Is that, is that true? Uh, it's actually five. It's five. So it's five. Jeez. Okay. So there's five containers. <laughs> so walk us yeah, through, like, walk I, us through that. Like, yeah. Yeah. How, how, how did that come to be? Like, you, you, why not just two? Why not just three? Why five? Yeah. So, Tiny homes were kind of the the craze over the last year and a half. And I mean, they still are. They're really cool. They're awesome for couples retreats, but enable to pack more bodies in here. I, I wanted it to, I mean, first off, homes that can house more people that you can charge more for. Yep. And I don't know. I just, I love having open spaces that feel large. And I mean, if I ever have friends and family that come and visit me out here, I'd love to be able to block off a few days and just be able to stay here with them as opposed to like, you two can stay in my tiny little container home yeah. or something, you know. Um, plus, it does appraise better, um, which, like, part of my long-term vision is to get this thing appraised and be able to take out a line of credit on it, which a 600-square-foot home versus a 1,600-square-foot home, which is what the bin is, 
uh, will appraise much better than uh, a tiny home that would. I mean, they do well in Airbnb, but I want to be able to uh, utilize the equity in this. Yeah, home. yeah, so, super smart. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, like you can see here in the background, I mean, the the home is, it, it's huge. It, it feels it massive, looks massive when you're inside yeah. of it. When I mention to people, I'm like, oh yeah, I built a container home. They're expecting like this little tiny home. And <laughs> my girlfriend gets mad at me when I use hashtag tiny home when I'm posting on Instagram. She's like, it's not small. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the home, home's pretty large. Um, the first floor is made up of three shipping containers. So there's two that make up the dining room space, which I'm in right here, and um, the living room back there. So um, yeah, it's like 16 feet wide okay. by 40 long. And there's one, there's another box that makes up the kitchen over here. Um, so yeah, the first floor is what, like 900 square feet or, or something like that. So Which is massive. Big, big open. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, we've got a We've had like small parties for friends' birthdays and stuff here. And it's just, I mean, packed 20 people in here and it's super comfortable still. So, um, yeah, being able to pack more bodies was one of the main things. And, um, and I just, I haven't seen many container homes that utilize this many containers in, uh, in the Northwest. So I figure it's a perfect little niche to dive into. There's yeah. In so many bookings already, and it's just cool to see this thing actually come into fruition. What was what was like the hardest part of the build? So obviously, like you had some training, right, from the days when your dad was forcing you to weld. That you know later pays off, <laughs> comes in handy, I'm sure. But like, what was what was most challenging about architecting the space? Oh gosh, yeah, it was. <laughs> oh man, there's so many challenging things. So <laughs> early on in the build. Um, from getting like the permitting side of things was just an absolute nightmare. There's no like playbook online. That's like step one, yeah. step 10. Like, <laughs> there's nothing like that. So you're just shooting from the hip, seeing what sticks. And um, just that was, that was overwhelming from a sense that when I bought the land, I was like 99% sure I could build on it, but there was no one saying like, yes, you 100% can build on this. So there was always that fear of, what if some report comes back, some critical critical area studies, some water drainage study that says, oh, you actually can't build on this. Yeah. I mean, there's there's land like that all over Washington um, <laughs> that is unbuildable. So that was the first one. I was, I was really, really pretty sure that I could build on it. Um, and after going through all the studies and sort of figuring out that whole process, um, that sort of knocked out that first big stress. Um, then I would say during the construction, yeah, one one of the most it, one of the most exhausting things was, or one of the most challenging things was like coping with exhaustion. It was um, so I was still working a full time job throughout this whole process, doing as much much as I can by myself, and obviously I had friends and family come out. Um, and help as much as possible. But and, I mean, end of the day, I was out here every day right after work. Jeez. So I'd get to work at 4.30, 5 in the morning, leave work by three, takes an hour to drive out here. And then I would work till nine or 10 o'clock at night and then go home, sleep and do it all over again. Dang, dude. So wow. It, it, exhaustion was probably one of the, the most, most difficult things about this, which yeah. I, I we've done pretty much everything besides the plumbing, electrical, 
um, and concrete work. We've done pretty much everything ourselves from wow. framing drywall, uh, all the structural steel, all the like the deck, excavating out the land. We, we've done it all. Wow. So, um, which I knew doing this first build, I wanted to understand a full zero to a hundred build process. So mm. when we bought the land, or when I bought the land, um, there was absolutely nothing on it. It was just completely forested. There was no no power in the street. There was no no sewage, no um, no water or anything. So we were doing a full weld septic system, like getting the county to tap power for us, setting the junction boxes and just doing the full tilt thing. Cause I knew I wanted to, this is definitely gonna be in the cards from the next 30, 40 years. So I wanted to understand that whole process for when we're kicking off the next build. Yeah. So yeah. exhaustion was brutal. Um, and one unexpected thing that I didn't know was gonna be as tricky is, uh, I guess just the amount of work it was gonna be was like from a listing perspective and marketing this thing, learning how to, um, just all the techniques in how to price your home, how to, um, yeah, just all that. How to host, just takes right? up yeah. 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 It, I mean, it, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's one thing to be able to build this beautiful, incredible space. It's another thing to figure out how do you turn this into essentially a hotel, right? Like a, a like a, a beautiful, like luxurious experience. Because again, I think unique stays have this, have this added pressure that like your run of the mill Airbnb doesn't have, which is like, if people are going to drive to the middle of nowhere and stay in like a, you know, five level, beautiful container home, whatever it is, like people, people are only going to do that if it's truly going to be this like differentiated experience right and they're willing to pay and they're willing to do yeah. it if when i get there it, it this feels like the most incredible like hospitality uh experience i've encountered as of late right and then they're and then they're willing to yeah. write you a great review and come back and tell all their friends about it if you go to a unique place that's in the middle of nowhere and it's a it's a cool spot but like the the host the, the the hosting like techniques just aren't aren't where they need to be right like the the ex the hospitality yeah. experience that you're craving isn't doesn't isn't delivered right then you start to question why are we here there's like there's nothing to do like we're cool yeah it's it's a container home woohoo right like you know but we can't yeah. do anything it's boring right and so you you know over <laughs> overcoming like all of those hurdles too and figuring out like hey you're not just a builder. You know, you're you're not just an entrepreneur. You're 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 also a, a host, right? A, a hospitality entrepreneur. Like, what does that mean? Yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. Learning how to host was just a lot, a lot more than I expected at first. I knew so once once I started just networking with tons of people and learning that like experience is key. Like the, from when you walk into the bathroom and you see that the toilet paper roll is folded with a little triangle yep. and stamped with like a little hot wax stamp or whatever it is. <laughs> it's like, those are all the little things that you don't get at home. You're like, dang, they like really thought about this. Yeah. Um, so um, from like a hosting perspective, I wanted this to be just a wildly unique home from the second, like, like we have it set up with our cleaners so that most guests are arriving in the late afternoon or evening. So I make sure that all the lights are on in the home because mm. when you're pulling up down the driveway, you get like the money shot view. So from that very first second of turning down the driveway, you're seeing this just awesome, wild looking home. Um, and then you walk in and it just, it, it smells good. We have, um, like ambient music playing for nice. when guests check in. So it's just that, that wow factor. Like 
we we had Kai Andrew out here uh, filming a YouTube video, and he's he's like, this just it it hits that wow factor. Mm. You're you're welcome with a crazy view of the forest when you walk in. Smells good, sounds good, everything's just perfectly in place. Um, and then the goal was to keep that wow factor going throughout the entire experience. So it's like um, one of the cool add-ons that we have is. Uh, if you're willing to spend a little bit more, you can actually charter a helicopter from Seattle, land at the uh, the helicopter pad here, or soon to be pad. We're going to pour it this spring, but um, right now it's just a, a grass landing strip that we've been able to land on, which Levi Kelly actually filmed this awesome bit where he gets out of the helicopter and is like, welcome to the bin. It's, it's, <laughs> I can't wait to see the video. I think he's dropping in like a week or two. But, oh, nice, nice. Um, yeah, so just... Being able to, um, being able to utilize all the little or create these little experiences throughout the home. Yeah. So, for example, we have <laughs> this dog named Steve. Um, he he started this random massive Great Pyrenees dog started showing up halfway through construction, and I'm like, well, I, at first I started noticing that my like welding helmet disappeared, and I'm like, what the heck is stealing my welding helmet? Like anything that would <laughs> remotely smell like me would disappear like sweatshirts shirts lunch boxes all this stuff would start disappearing like is someone like stealing my stuff i'm like why aren't they taking the tools but um turns out this great pyrenees dog that is just the sweetest dog is huge just friendly old little dude he started showing up halfway through the build and stealing my tools during the day and then at night i would come back and it'd all be missing um and then i ended up finally meeting him after a month of noticing my stuff dis- disappearing and he just stuck around for the rest of the build. The neighbors that own him are like a mile and a half away. So every day this dude will come out through the forest, just hang out with me during the during building the deck and stacking the boxes and welding and everything. It was, it was honestly really sweet. But my audience <laughs> grew to knew him, grew, grew to know him as Steve. My girlfriend and I, we just named him Steve because he didn't have a name tag at the time on his car. <laughs> turns out his real name was Palmer, but um so um, everyone on Instagram has pretty much grown to know him as Steve. So, um, like one of the cool little experiences here is that we cut in a trail going around the home. So it's just like another thing to do when you're here, but we got a little sign that says Steve's pass, which is like, <laughs> it's a play on the ski hill that's out here too. There's a ski hill named Steven's pass. So oh, <laughs> it worked out really well. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So just like being able to make as little, as many little experiences throughout the home as possible, sort of the goal with building building this place. I love that. There's a I, there's a cool um, a, an incredible couple um, that are they their their brand is Irox Living. I don't know if you've heard of them. They um they they do uh, builds in in Asheville, North Carolina, and what they did, okay. which was really cool, I actually got to stay in in one of their uh, places and. They, they, they likewise, um, they carved this cool path. That they, so they're designers by trade. They have a whole creative studio. Um, they do really, really, really great, cool work. And they have this path that I think they call like the the wanderer's path or like the reflection path or something like that. Mm-hmm. And there's all these stops. It's it's very small, but like you walk from like tree to tree. It's it's probably like, I don't know, a quarter mile uh, in, in total. And it's like a loop, right? So it's not it's not long at all. 
but you go and you stop and it, it tells you to do something like at this tree like at this tree you're supposed to like think of something that you know you're especially grateful for right now in this moment and then you walk more and it's like all right like we want to talk about uh, you know uh, envision yourself in like a year from now like where do you hope to be you're like and it, anyways it's just this like you know some, somewhat silly but like really, really like cool experience because they're the where they're situated is like it's like I don't know twenty minutes maybe outside of Asheville, and it's right. like up on a hill, and so it's not like they want people to hang out at the house, right? Like you want to spend time just chilling there, and their home is absolutely gorgeous. But like th- they've also thought about how do we how do we create tiny little like things for people to do, so it almost feels like an experience. It almost feels like you're getting out, even though you're still on the I property. See. Yeah, because even getting those emotions going and thinking, like, where do I want to be a year from now? That, I mean, that kicks off conversations that ultimately make memories when you're chatting with your friends and family, setting goals, like just encouraging each other to be the best people you can be. Like that invokes a lot of emotion and just, I mean, that makes what, that's what you remember at your stay. Like, oh, you remember like talking about that stuff and just like spending time with one another. Um, Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah I, I would actually love, I saw Levi Kelly's video of that couple. I forget where the home was. Um, they almost had like a scavenger hunt to get. To oh, yes. Lightfoot cabin. Lightfoot cabin. Yeah. Yes. I that actually, this is sweet. I had, I had them on uh, the podcast like, uh, uh, last week. So, um, and they, they're incredible. No yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Chase, Chase and his wife, um, Oh gosh, April, Chase and April, uh, they created this, yeah, incredible space where you show up and basically you get like an envelope that says, all right, you're like, your hunt is beginning. And then there's a big reveal at the end and we won't give it away on this, this episode, but you can listen to the episode with Lightfoot Cabin and they'll tell you what, what the end reveal is. But yeah, it's, it's, it's those sorts of things. And even if like, even if you're listening to this and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't have a place that's nearly as cool as like Devin's place, but like. What, how, how could you come up with anyone could do a scavenger hunt? Anyone could find a, a trail right in the back of their their lot to do sort of a, a, a nature reflective path of sorts. Like these are these are things that really regardless of your home type and where you are, you can come up with these really cool sort of like micro experiences to elevate your guest stay. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I after even seeing that video that Levi put out, um, I, I was thinking of doing like a play on that, like giving the, the guest like a, a goal or like something to accomplish while they're here. Ah. And I, uh, I was thinking about either hiding a sauna, like a, a wood burning, like sauna at the home and tucking it away deep on like some little nook of the lot and almost sort of not completely copying them because I mean obviously I'm not a huge fan of completely copying but doing a play on that where guests have to figure out a few things to get this um to get to this sauna or yeah. like get the code to enter the sauna or something like that yeah. you know so just unique little experience I love things. that That's dude the- <laughs> I love that dude yeah that and th- those again those are the things that people remember like when I'm telling my friends about this incredible the Pacific bin right like I'm going to say, oh, and by the way, what's really cool about the thing that Devin does is right when you arrive, there's this puzzle that you have to solve and you can't and like the puzzle leads to some sort of additional amenity. That's like we don't know what the amenity is. Right. But then you solve the puzzle and then you realize it's a sauna and, the, you know, the, the, the you get the code after you solve the puzzle. And it's, like, it's such a cool little thing, you know, and that's what people talk about. Like, that's what people remember yeah. you for. Right. And that and then again, when I'm looking at your place versus <laughs> other places in the area, it's like, OK. I'm going to spend a little bit more if I go to the Pacific bin, but I know I'm going to get like this cool experience. So 
I'm willing to pay more because I know that I'm going to get something truly unique. Yeah. Yeah. You can create so much more value just with something that doesn't necessarily cost a lot of money. Last minute cancellations suck. And that's why we built Ping. Ping makes it easy for guests to be notified when their favorite Airbnbs become available. Ping is a simple widget that lives on your website or your direct booking site and allows your fans and followers to sign up and be notified if their preferred dates become available. Here's how it works. Jimmy sees that you're booked the whole month of October, but he wants to be notified if any three night window in the month becomes available. Jen is a returning guest and she wants to be notified if any week in June, July, or August becomes available. In a matter of seconds, Jimmy and Jen fill out the simple form and they will be pinged if the requested dates become available. And as a host, you will immediately get pinged via email with Jimmy and Jen's contact information and requested dates, which enables you to build up your own database of guest email addresses. Ping is what the best Airbnb hosts use to maximize bookings. You can get access to our beta pricing with plans that start at just $39 a year at bnbping.com. Again, that's bnbping.com. Dude, I, I have a couple final questions for you. One is just around, so you've got this awesome YouTube video where you talk about uh, what you actually spent. You literally like break down everything on, uh, in this YouTube video, which is really cool. I'm gonna link it to, uh, in the show notes of this conversation, just so anyone that wants to just, Devin's done a really great job of being really transparent with like all of his numbers and like how he's, you know, what he spent and how he spent and all that stuff. So. Uh, in the show notes below, you can go and watch that full video. But Devin, give us like the the highlights um, around, you know, roughly what you spent on this um, and, and how thus far, like when did, when did you actually open the Pacific Bin? And then how has it performed uh, as, as an investment so far? Yeah, so... Um... Yeah, so that, that video is actually an estimate of what I thought it'd be. So I actually work, my full-time engineering job out here is working for a large general contractor. So I sort of learned the whole estimating side of construction. Um, so that was an estimate of what I thought it would cost. And I think my final was like right around $550,000. And actually later today, I'm filming this the second bit of the, here's what it actually costs. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, so I estimated $550,000 and I came in at five seventy. dollars Four. I think that's where my line of credit's at right now. Pretty good. So pretty good overall, estimate. Yeah, I feel pretty good about it. With uh, all of the inflation and everything, I chalk it up to inflation. The the bust, the little delta there. But um, yeah, so the home cost five hundred seventy five thousand dollars, and um, yeah, it was just. Uh, let's see. What's what's an interesting fact about <laughs> the budget? It's. Which is which is probably more than people think about when they when they think about a container home, right? Like that's that's probably more than what they imagine that they'd spend. But again, yours, you've built like this one. It's just massive, right? It's five different containers. Like it, it's just it's a huge it's a huge space. Um, and again, you you had this very specific vision for this kind of like luxurious, kind of open, different kind of of um, like not a tiny home, right? To you to use your own words. So, and, and in terms of, in terms of budgeting, like, do you, do you remember how much you allocate, like, did you specifically allocate X dollars for like the interior design? And like, like a lot of the folks that listen to this podcast, you know, they, they spend, um, they're incredible designers, they're incredible marketers. They spend a lot of time and, and money and energy thinking about the interior design of their, of their spaces. H how did you think through the budget for, for that specifically? 
Yeah. So it, it helped a ton being in the construction world before diving into this. Um, so I was, I've been able to see commercial projects and what it, what it takes to get utilities run, um, interior finishes all the way down to furniture. Um, so I, uh, the commercial world has a, <laughs> there's a premium that comes with it. Um, so I was able to sort of talk to other people, figure out what their budgets were and just sort of reverse engineer that for my space. Nice. And I mean, a lot of it is just sitting there on the computer, talking out like, okay, I have 1600 square feet of flooring here going on floor and decor's website. Okay. Hickory flooring is X mount. You multiply it by whatever the square footage is and actually running the hard numbers, not just shooting at the hip, Googling, like how much should I assume? Like yeah. actually finding the materials I wanted to use and just getting those real numbers. So leading up to the build and kicking this off, um, in order to get my private line of credit opened, I had to do a presentation to the private investors and pretty much show them this is what it's all going to cost. I like, these are all hard numbers. I have 10% contingency built in here. Um, and just showing that you're covering all getting all your ducks in a row yeah. so that this isn't going to have some crazy bust where you're 150 K over budget where you potentially wouldn't be able to finish the build or something like that. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, to people that are budgeting for their their home builds, get the hard numbers and then build in a ten to fifteen percent contingency as a worst case scenario. Yeah, um, yeah, no, that, yeah. that that's that's super smart, and um, I I appreciate your diligence here because I, I also think some folks you you can get really excited about this and just kind of go in and and just assume it'll work. Do some Google, some basic Googling, and hopefully the people that are listening to this podcast don't fall into this category. But like, but I do think right, it, it can be tempting to just get really excited about something without actually figuring out. No, 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 not what what does this actually cost in my area too? Right, like your build in you know right outside of Seattle, right, hot market, you know materials, land, all that all that stuff is going to it's going to cost so much uh, more than like building in the middle of the Midwest somewhere. Right. Like it's just, it's just, you know, a lot of times people look at what other people are doing and think, Oh, I can do that in my area. And maybe you can, but maybe it's going to cost a lot more or maybe, maybe it'll actually cost less depending on where, uh, you know, your, your, your local market. And then, so it's really important to, to take these, uh, these calculations incredibly seriously. So you don't end up screwing yourself later down the road. Um, Dude, I, I do want to yeah. ask about Instagram because you've done uh, you've done this remarkable job at building this massive, massive audience. So, how did how did you do that? Like, what's what's the secret sauce there? Yeah, so uh, I was actually talking about this on a podcast last week, so which is kind of cool because it was the first first round trying to understand like how this all happened, like being in the cinematography world and working like social media for other clients in the past i've sort of been able to play around with things and figure out what works what didn't what doesn't and i knew getting into the like the construction of this storytelling is a wildly powerful thing and people connect to stories and you're essentially your story has to have a main character otherwise you're just anyone can go see a video of a container being placed in the middle of the woods or something like that. But if you're the one telling the story, you're showing on daily, whatever you're doing on a daily basis, like talking through the struggles, talking through your wins, your losses, like things that are going right. And, you know, just going through all that stuff Yeah. and being able to pack as much, as much content into, well, for example, the only way to grow right now on Instagram is to post reels. Yeah. 
Yeah. So being able to post or to pack as much into your post as possible is sort of the, the key to growing while still leaving the viewer with uh, like, wait, but it is like, I want to see that again. I need to like, I need to like, I missed something yeah. from this clip. So like, for yeah. example, when I was in the heat of the build, I would aim to have my reels be anywhere from like seven to nine seconds long. And I would time-lapse everything. So the power of time-lapses are uh, just time-lapse for my phone. So I would set up a $30 tripod with my phone on it, like getting a, a cool angle of whatever I'm working on. And um, time-lapses are super powerful in the sense that you can pack so much into a little time frame. Yeah. where if I stack like seven different time-lapses together and fit that into a nine-second clip, viewers are just like, same deal, drinking from a fire hose. <laughs> Cool. Like I'm, and the way you can essentially get your reels to blow up is when you pack so much in there that people are watching it time and time again, they're finding new things every time they watch it. Mm. So that not only kicks up the views for like one individual viewer to like seven to 10 watches or something like that. Then Instagram sees that as, Oh, someone's watching this multiple times. They're asking questions, which yeah. other, another really important thing is, not not being controversial but throwing being transparent and driving people to engage with your post by being transparent like i'd say installing my fifteen thousand dollar hot tub or something like that people are like oh my gosh you're overpaying like <laughs> you no know, like between people re-watching you pour the concrete pad or stack the boxes and finding new things like finding so much value in such a short format video in driving them to engage that's sort of the secret sauce to getting instagram to say okay this is doing pretty well like blast it out to a whole new audience um, and did this come from just a lot of like trial and error or, or did you do like a bunch of research up front to figure out like all right what is the what is the best time for a reel right now or like you know what, what what sort of like music track should should i play here like that's that's trending right now like how how much research would you do before before posting content yeah so i i wouldn't i mean honestly if, if you're making good content it will blow up no yeah. matter what time of day you, you post it if you're making something that's worth engaging with and worth like millions of people seeing it's gonna it's gonna do well yeah um yeah. so i mean obviously i'd look at my analytics and say oh my audience is most active around 9 to 10 a.m so i'd post around then but there's been times where i post at midnight and it still just blows up, up. if it's yeah. good content it's gonna do well so um yeah getting like learning that recipe i it was was a decent amount of trial and error i would try longer format videos where they'd be like 45 seconds and they just wouldn't do well people's attention spans are so short nowadays yeah, yeah. Um, and especially at the start of 2022, when the build was just kicking off, Instagram was pushing reels in a massive way to compete with TikTok. Yep. Um, so I do feel like I was in the sweet spot of Instagram really starting to push reels. So I, I took the mentality of anytime Instagram or TikTok or whatever channels push something new and there's, there's always pushback. People don't like new. Yeah. If yeah. you get on the bandwagon early, like you remember how many people were hating on reels early on? Yeah. Oh like, yeah. Get, get on this bandwagon. It's going to go like they're a billion dollar company and they're going to make it work one way or another. So <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah, they've done more research. They've thought about it more than you have. <laughs> Rest assured. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So, yeah, it's just, uh, I guess, somewhat being on the front end and also like having a cool story to tell. That that's a that's a huge part yeah. of it too. I mean, obviously, this is um, this is a crazy looking structure, and oh, if you're going to be building a home and you want your home to, I guess, blow up from your construction process, pay for renders. That's that's like. I think that's one of the reasons why this home did blow up in the sense that it did is because I, as I was telling the story going through the process, I could also say, this is what I'm going for. Like, here's wow. a visualization of what I'm, what I'm going for. Yeah. So many people skip that and don't pay the $2,000 or whatever for renders. And it sort of screws them in the, in the long run because yeah. they can't show their guests or their, their audience what they're going for. Yeah. The home. That's that is an incredible, incredible piece of advice. I love that because oftentimes you'll you'll see like blueprints or you'll see you'll see plans and people will post plans, and again that's somewhat interesting. But yeah, renderings right is it, it's it's a it's it's a whole nother a whole nother level. Um, I I love that. That's a super good piece of advice for for everyone that's tuning in. I also like your your whole uh, uh your your comment around sort of like needing a hero, needing sort of a main character right in a story. And I think some sometimes like the people that. I see do the best on Instagram in sort of the Airbnb cabin world. Like I think about like Janice Smith, who's from Cozy Rock Cabin. She's got like seventy five k. Oh yeah, that's, that's right, that's right. Yeah, cabin culture. Yeah, um, they're they're awesome, man. Um, I've had I've had Janice on the show. I've had the guys from the Chalet Frame on the show, and um, and, and what Janice I feel like has done really well, which is I think different than some of the a lot of the other folks in the space. She she actually talks to the camera a lot. Like she talks on Instagram and she's saying like, here's how I'm thinking about this, you know, new Airbnb sort of like feature or like, Hey, have you guys seen the new like Verbo YouTube ads? Like here are my thoughts on them or whatever, you know, and, and, and it, people grow in affinity for Janice's perspective on all things, you know, cabins and Airbnbs. Anyways, point being that like, I think sometimes there's this temptation if you have a, an Instagram account for your Airbnb to only show footage of the the actual space and not put yourself into the story and yet yeah. at the end of the day the people that are consuming this content are are people right and people like people people like understanding the story behind you know the stay uh no pun intended there but um <laughs> but yeah um yeah that's yeah I, no that's Jan good, good Janice actually prefers that that's that's something I'm I guess as stepping into the the hosting position now uh, I think Janice's approach is it's so it, it makes your your potential guests it's it's almost like another way of experiencing the home because you're experiencing it through the host like as you're following on social media you're seeing the the, the elements of the home that the host really put a lot of thought into and that yeah. they enjoy personally and um, you're just making that connection right like people crave connection in this world and for her being able to show her space and show her personality connected to it, you can, you absolutely engage with that. Yeah. So I think that's something very powerful that I'm going to try and dabble with here uh, as we go into the hosting shoes for a bit. Yeah. Well, dude, I am um, so thankful for for you and your time and everything that you're doing in the space. I think that you're uh, a great a great follow first and foremost, but then also just what you're doing is, is super unique. And um, I'm excited to continue to watch you kind of grow and scale. If folks do want to get in touch and learn a little bit more about you, we'll have links to your Instagram. We'll have links, obviously, to your to your listing and all that fun stuff in the show notes below. If you want to stay uh, at uh, the Pacific Bin, again, just scroll down to the show notes and you can find booking links there. Anywhere else, uh, Devin, that you'd have folks reach out if they're interested in connecting? Um, 
Yeah, I mean, uh, just in- Instagram is probably the best way to get a hold of me. Cool. Um, sometimes it can be a little bogged down with comments, but Instagram, TikTok, hit me in the DMs, I'm there. Perfect, perfect. Well, man, thank you so much for your time. It's been a real pleasure. Absolutely, Zach. Good chatting with you, man. Hey friends, hope you've enjoyed today's show. If you are an Airbnb host or know an Airbnb host who'd like to come on the show, please send me an email at Zach, Z-A-C-H, at spontaneous.com and we will chat. Behind the Stays is brought to you each week by Spontaneous, a carefully curated weekly newsletter that brings you the best last minute deals and upcoming steals on Airbnb. It's sort of like Scott's cheap flights, but for Airbnb. You can sign up once again for free at spontaneous.com. Last but certainly not least, I didn't believe in Marie Kondo's whole spark joy mantra until I started podcasting. Now, my joy is sparked every time I see a new subscriber roll in. So please hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode and so you add a little spark to my joy fire today. Okay, that was kind of weird, but um, we're going to roll with it. Subscribe, um, and thanks in advance. All right, everyone, see you next time.